Well, I'm glad that you're here. Wasn't that special? Hey, can we just give God glory for what uh, what we just saw? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the, you do know, I know it's classified as a religion, Christianity, but it's really not a religion. It's a relationship with the living God as he is established through Jesus Christ. And that's what, that's what it's all about. And if you're a guest today, I'm going to tell you the obvious, but you may not believe it. We're all broken. And we needed a Savior. And so Jesus came. There's no perfection in this room. Uh, there's some that think they are. But we'll help them to understand that eventually, that you need Jesus. And so, uh, but we're glad that you are here today. Um, just, a, just a couple of, of thoughts up front. When we, when we do, uh, just if you're a guest or, or some of these kids that are in here for the first time, uh, we do the Lord's Supper community-wise, uh, communal, I guess you would say, on a fifth Sunday. So if you're wondering uh, about that, it's just, we do it every fifth Sunday. It's available every week. Some of you came from uh, streams or traditions where you took the Lord's Supper every week. And some of you are facing some crisis that you need just that intimate time with the Father. We have it every week, and it's normally located right over here, and you're free to come and participate on a weekly basis. But when we come together, it's always important that we take some time just to reflect on our lives. One other thing that we do on uh, when we do communion or we do baptisms or, or these special Sundays, we also take up a benevolence offering. All, everything that you give in benevolence goes strictly to the needs that are there. After the service, there will be somebody at the back holding a basket, and you can, uh, you can give. Or if you give online, I know we live in a cashless society these days, you can go online, drop where it says giving, and, it, and there's a benevolence tag that you can hit. And you may be wondering, why do we do that? I mean, I give to the regular offering, I give to the, the budget, you know, why, why is this? Well, the needs multiply, and uh, used to be what used to be a little gas money now turns into a mortgage payment because somebody just has gotten hit, and so, you know, the difference is substantial, so we try to take up an extra offering just to do that, so I'm just telling you that at the end of the service, there'll be somebody back there with a basket, and uh, you can give or go online and hit the drop-down window and hit uh, benevolence. Um, also, I think it's always good to use teachable moments. Uh, some of you may be new to Central or uh, you're thinking, man, you know, uh, those weren't pastors baptizing. They actually were pastors. Uh, dads are pastors of their families. And uh, your kids are looking to you and you'll notice that, uh, that it is an emotional thing for them. I think uh, Jaden kind of showed that in baptizing his sister, the, the, uh, the thing is about that is that we believe here that who, if you lead somebody to Christ, you, you can baptize them or dads or whatever, because we believe it's a step of discipleship for that family as well. And so we believe in, in seeing these things happen. And so that's, that's a very, very thing. And somebody's going to say, well, Mark, I've been part of churches where only the senior pastor could do it or only pastors could do it. You know, I love the scriptures. Because the scriptures are silent on that area. Paul doesn't even remember who all he baptized. 
because he turned it over to other people. And so we believe that that's a very important thing. And, and for some of you uh, kids, uh, I came to Christ at the age of eight. I was eight years old in Waco, Texas, a little church called Beverly Hills Baptist Church. It was a Sunday morning in April back in 1903, 1967. <laughs> and uh, I just remember to this day my heart being stirred. I knew that there was something missing in my life, that I was separate from God and that Jesus was real. And so I, our tradition was you walked the, you walked the aisle to take the pastor by the hand. You declared your decision that you was making. They call it a profession of faith. And so I told the pastor, Harry Circle, I said, uh, I, I want to give my life to Jesus. And what I remember about that was incredibly uh, important. I remember that after the service, we're all standing. There was a few people standing across the front. I don't even know what the other decisions were. But, I, but the pastor introduces me. This is Mark Westerfield. He's given his life to Christ, made a profession of faith. And they introduce me, and I'm standing up there. And so the people can file by and, and do all these things. I remember uh, two ladies coming by. One was my Aunt Ruth. The other one was a lady that uh, had uh, watched us as kids, having a single mom much of the life, you know, or, or my stepdad having to go off in the military, uh, she kept us a lot. And, and I remember those two ladies, my Aunt Ruth and this other lady, coming by, and th- they were abundant ladies, okay? I, I don't, I, uh, they were abundant, and they just dwarfed my little eight-year-old body at the time. And this is what I remember. I remember the tears flowing down their face. And I remember them saying this. Because my dad died uh, when I was 15 months old. And my dad was a Christ follower, and he made sure our family was in church. I remember him saying this, your dad would be so proud. And I thought, this is big. This is huge. This is not earthly. This is eternal. Eight years old. Somebody's going to say, well, Mark, didn't you have doubts, especially your teen years? And I'm telling you, eight years old, I nailed it down. And we we believe in a 4 to 14 window here. We believe that, and the statistics are this, 70 plus percent of people come and make a commitment to Jesus Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. So family ministry is very vital to us. And uh, we see adults baptized, we see kids baptized, we see students baptized. And we love to see, because baptism is an outward display of a heart change. And so we love that. And so if you're there, as Brett said, we would love for you to have that opportunity. And so we would love to follow up with that. But one other thing, there's two incredible gifts the Lord, he's given us his Holy Spirit, but he's given us two visible gifts to help us. One is baptism. Baptism does not save you. Uh, Baptism is a picture of a life that has already made a commitment to Christ. It's uh, it's like this. Um, you can get married and just go to the justice of the peace. But most people have weddings. Why? To show other people the commitment they've made to one another. Baptism is an outward display to let you join in on an eternal thing that God has just done. And so that's what baptism is. And the second one is the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, or communion, or whatever you want to call it, uh, is another gift from God. 
It's like this. Every married couple needs vow renewals. And when we come to the table like this, it's almost like a vow renewal. God, I I need to get this right with you. And uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, let me just kind of talk through you. I'll read some in just a moment. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul talks about the Lord's Supper there. And he talks about uh, that as often as you do this, so we're not supposed to be sporadic about it. We, we need to do it often. And I love the Lord's Supper because I need it so desperately. Because you see, it resembles and, and helps us to remember the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is this. You and I are broken and we needed a Savior. Jesus came. Jesus lived. Jesus died. Jesus rose from the dead. And he is available for anyone by faith who would call upon him. And some of you today, you're thinking, man, they take this thing pretty serious. I take it dead serious. I believe that 7 billion people on this planet and God is at work trying to draw every man, woman, and child to him. And so we want to be a part of that. And so that, that's what the picture is here. But there's three things right quick that I, I think are vital for, for us to remember and why it is so important to me. One, one is this. It, it helps me to reset my focus. You know, when you go and get your eyes checked, they're supposed to do it every year and, and, uh, and this kind of stuff. That's why I'm in glasses now. But, uh, but you go and they put that thing on you and you're thinking, is A or B? And uh, can you do that again? Uh, a or B? You know, you've been there. It's so frustrating. And then they finally bring you into focus. What the Lord's Supper does, you see, we have a tendency to get walking on this earth to get our focus off of Christ. In fact, uh, I would say that the biggest detriment that we struggle with on a daily basis is our busyness. And the busyness just distracts us from, from God working in our life. So we come today to get our, our focus reset on Christ. Yes, Lord, I, have, I, I need to come back. I need to focus on you. I need to see things from your perspective. I, I need to have my relationships right. I, I need to deal with some things in my own heart, Lord, and this brings me back. I refocus on you. But the second thing that the Lord's Supper does for me is it resets my priorities because I need my priorities to come back to Jesus alone. Because I, I, I think that I'm supposed to strive after everything in this world. But listen, I was created through Christ. It tells us in Colossians. I was created through Christ. Get this. By Him and for Him. I wasn't created just to take up space on this planet or to make money or to have family. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But I was created... For His glory. And so when I come back to the Lord's table, I'm reminded that He is Lord and I'm not. And I reset my priority for Him. The the third and and the last one that I'll share with you, it allows me to reset my purpose. You see, we are guilty of going after little K kingdoms, which is our kingdom. I'm going after my kingdom. I want to advance my kingdom. And, and we come back today to say, no, this is God's kingdom. 
Jesus came to set up an earthly, a, a, a heavenly kingdom, and we are part of that kingdom. And we come and get our focus back. And if we do not get our perspective and our focus and our purpose back, what happens? You ready for this? God created us in such a way, especially as his followers, they, the scriptures use soldier analogies a lot, because we were meant to advance and to go forward and to carry out our objective and our purpose for the kingdom and to do all these kind of things. And yet we have a chance, we, we get distracted. And when we lose our purpose, we lose our objective because we're, we're hungry to do that anyway. You know what we do? We start in on each other. We just start on in each other because we're, we're aggressive. We want to go forward. God has put his spirit in us. We want to go forward. And so when, when the, when the, when the purpose is not reset, then we just start on each other. We mumble. We grumble. We get angry. We let relationships get fractured. We do all of those kind of things because we're going after our kingdom instead of God's kingdom. You understand what I'm saying? We do that. And so we come to the table to say, God, it's not my kingdom. It's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was in uh, Chicago on Monday and Tuesday uh, up at Billy Graham Evangelistic um, uh, Center up there at Wheaton. And uh, I got a picture to prove I was there. In fact, I thought this was pretty cool. This is C.S. Lewis's wardrobe. And they've got it there at Wheaton. Uh, and, uh, you know, if any of you read, read The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, this is where he got his thinking from. I went through there, and Narnia was right back. No. Uh, but uh, that was just to prove I was there. Of course, you're thinking, you just did that in your house. No, I was in Chicago. And so uh, it was up there, and, and part of the purpose, there was a group of us guys, uh, that were there, and we're talking about evangelism. We're talking about truly personal evangelism, telling people the great story of the love of Jesus and their need for him. We are not, uh, uh, how do I say this? Our evangelism could be stronger here. And sometimes the reason it's not, you follow my lead, and sometimes I am not the evangelist I need to be, and so I'm, I'm trying to work on that. But... Uh, we get on the plane to, to fly back. It's Keith Ferguson, Keith over at City View and myself. And, uh, and, and so I'm in the middle, and, and there's a, a friend uh, named Roger I met on the plane uh, there on, on the end. And uh, so we just we get, we get to talk and, and uh, uh, just get to know him a little bit and him to know me. And he said something that was incredibly profound uh, uh, you know, uh, he, well, first of all, he was from Scotland, which was a great thing. We'd been to Scotland, so we were able to talk about Scotland a little bit and uh, and visit about that. He he uh, lives in Austin with his wife, expecting a baby in about 15 weeks, and uh, first baby, 29 years old, and uh, and so we got to talk about that, and we got to talk. I asked him, "You're a Christian?" And he said, "Well, I, I my younger life, I grew up in the church, but he said I." Uh, uh, pretty much walked away from this, and this is what he said. He said, because I really, um, I, he said, the reason is, he said, I just don't have a need right now. In other words, everything's taken care of. You know, uh, financially, I'm okay. Uh, family's okay. I'm expecting a baby. Job's okay. And he said, but I, I appreciated his wisdom. He said, 
but the day will probably come when I will step back into my faith. And I thought about that a little bit, and then we talked about some other things, and and, uh, we talked about millennials because he was one, and he asked me what I thought about millennials. And uh, uh, I thought millennials are great. They've gotten a bad rap so much. We just like God to uh, set ablaze a a spiritual renewal through people that everything's been given to them, but we'll see what, what God will do there. So we talked about millennials a little bit, and then he said this. This is where the profound part came in. I thought, man, this is, this is profound. He said, he said, I believe that most people who call themselves agnostics or atheists, especially in the millennial generation, call themselves agnostics or atheists or secular humanists or whatever you want to call them. He said, in their background, they had some kind of spiritual experience of some sort. He said they may call themselves atheists and agnostics or secular humanists or whatever they may call them. He said, I believe they've just put life on pause. And that made sense to me. That was very profound. It wasn't like uh, I'm just totally turning my back on it. I've hit pause on it. And when life hits me in the face, I'm going to play, play again and find God. And that was so profound. I thought, you know, it's not only people that call themselves secular humanists or agnostics or atheists. A lot of times we do that. We put our faith on pause. We've got it under control right now, so I'm going to hit pause and just leave it here instead of following after what God has for us. You know, one of our biggest struggles we have, and I don't say this accusatory, I just say it's reality. Our affluence is killing us. We are the richest people on the planet. And I know you're looking and saying, oh, Mark, you, you don't know. We're struggling to make our, our, our bills pay. Listen, you've got a place to sleep. You've got a food to eat. You've got a job at least. You may not think it's terrible, but you have a job. I can take you to Haiti or Romania or any other place in the world and show you how wealthy we are. And because of that wealth, we think we do not have need. My prayer is today that as we take the Lord's Supper, you will hit play again and not live on pause. I I, I read something in the scripture, and I'll wrap up with this so we can go on to the Lord's Supper. I'm, I'm reading through Isaiah right now. And in Isaiah chapter 26, it says this in Isaiah 26 verse 8. It says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of your laws, we wait for you, and, and this is what he says, we wait for you. Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Your name and renown. I, I thought about that. I've never used renown in a sentence in my life. But, but I thought, your name and renown are the desire of my heart. And then I started thinking about that. And I started thinking that what the prophet is saying here is that he is so caught up in God that his desire, in, and renown is this, renown is actually everybody talking about it. You make something famous. And so he is saying, your name, God, and your renown, this is the desire of my heart. And I said, God, can I get there? So that it's not about Mark. But it's truly about you, your renown, your desi- you are the desire of my heart, God, that you be elevated. 
See, that's what He wants to do through us, church. He wants His renown. He wants to be made famous. And it's through us that He chooses to do that. So here's my prayer. As we take the Lord's Supper today, I'm praying that you will use this. We're going to sing just one song. The reason I send my email out on Thursday to remind you is to prepare your heart. But I know emails become white noise, and you just block them off. So we want you to pray. And I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to ask Brett and the worship team to come. But I just want to pray over you and you to take a few moments just to allow the Spirit of God, as David said, the psalmist, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked ways in me. You know, to be willing to come, God, I need to reset my focus. I need to reset my priorities. I need to reset my purpose. It's not about me. So, Father, I pray that right now you would just speak to our hearts and that we would honor you, prepare us for the, the, for the table right now. Let's stand, church. You just in a prayerful way, just pray. Just speak to the Lord. Just pray right now to Him.